Blog Talk Radio. Soulvox Radio presents Evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Disney. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Disney. The show is Evolved, and today my special guest is Peter Rangel. Uh, Peter is a high facilitator. Uh, he has been doing that for 30 years. Uh, he's also uh, an author of a book called Living Life in Love, and uh, he has uh, teaches meditation, and he does counseling, and a number of other things. So welcome, Peter. Thank you. Glad to have you here. So today we're here to primarily talk about your book, but I also want to talk about the bigger topic, which is being love, because that's really what is going to evolve us, mm-hmm. as I as I feel. Um, as I was reading your book, I was uh, taken with how, I, I guess first I want to start with the story of how this book developed, because mm-hmm. it seems that it may have developed out of a lot of the work that you do in mm-hmm. all different capacities. So you want to talk about that first? Sure. Um, This book actually evolved from my first book that I wrote, which is called Seeds of Light. And that book happened by um, just kind of spontaneously writing spiritual truths, aphorisms. um, Mm -hmm. That I I actually, as I was writing them, I had no idea I was writing a book. And Mm -hmm. they just all kind of poured out of me. And then um, my wife-to-be, she was my sweetie at the moment, I saw all these and she said, there's a book here. And so I went to Hal Kramer, who had done Way of the Peaceful Warrior. He was interested in it. He published that book. And that is just aphorism, so it's just poetry, basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, some years down the line, I noticed that I could, um, I wanted to do a book that had those aphorisms in it, but it also gave um, context for the aphorism. So mm-hmm. it just kind of all unfolded and developed and I sat down and just started writing that one, too, and I only wrote when I was inspired and had no time things going on, and mm-hmm. um, took probably a couple of years, and um, um, just felt like everything fell in place with this second book, and it was an integration and a um, provider from the first book, so yeah, that, that came, it's been uh, out on the market for 20 years or so now. Really? And, this yeah. book? Yeah, uh-huh. I think it was first published in 95, 96, somewhere in there. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, yeah. it's in, had about four printings of it. And yeah. Well, it certainly is um, interesting how the, it does feel like it fell together, like it together very naturally, mm-hmm. <coughs> which I appreciate um, because there's a there's a sense of, like, you were guided in this process. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a guidance that goes on through it. And then the poetry that you have, you know, kind of concretizes the thoughts that you had in the paragraphs before, Mm -hmm. um, which I found really, really, really interesting how your uh, process kind of unfolded here. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm seeing. So tell me a little bit about how you developed the format of this book, because it's really quite unusual. The, the way it's formatted. And what's unusual for you? Well, what's unusual for me is how it is um, you have a paragraph or a couple paragraphs mm-hmm. about, about uh, like the art of being, which mm-hmm. is the first chapter. Mm-hmm. Then you have a little 
a poem about mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. You have um, another few paragraphs and then another thought about altered states. Mm -hmm. So so the, the poems really seem to kind of draw in the reader into like the point of what you're doing in each place. Mm -hmm. And I, I just haven't seen that format very often. Okay. I think it's pretty unusual. Um, I, I had no plan for it. It just started <laughs> happening, you yeah. know. And yeah. um, um, what it seemed to me was that the aphorisms themselves had, had the zing, had the juice in them. Mm -hmm. But then to give context to, to get you to um, whoever the reader is to broaden your perspective and to kind of get a bigger picture of things. And then the aphorism comes in and kind of concretizes that was where you just use that's yeah. a great word. Yeah. Um, so into, you know, just like the essence of what I'm trying to get. And so I get the context and then the essence and then the context and the essence. Yeah. And then in the in the back of the book there's a whole workbook that's back there that mm -hmm. I actually uh, teach an eight week class I have for about twenty five years now, um, mm -hmm. out of um, that which gives uh, an exercise to do a different kind of meditation each week at home. Mm -hmm. And there are, I don't know how many in the back now, um, 50 of them or something. Yeah. But right. um, I, I distilled out the eight after each section. I distilled one of the meditations from each section. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just finishing my uh, eight-week class. We did week seven the other night. So uh -huh. I had one more week in this round of it. Uh -huh. And I teach two different series of uh, eight-week classes around all of that. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. So then, these aphorisms become, or these little poems become, um, part of what you teach in the class. Well, yeah. Each week, there's actually they take home a printed out aphorism that they cut out and put up in their environment, so uh -huh. they can kind of be reminded, uh -huh. kind of a mantra kind of thing, or yeah. a reminder of whatever the thrust is of that week. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And and a lot of it focuses on loving the self and. Um, uh, how do we evolve, and how are we accepting ourselves, or mm -hmm. what's unlovable in us, and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it gives you um, a deeper thought about your life in general. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah, and I, I would actually say the, the point I was trying to make, and each person obviously gets what they get from it, and right. not necessarily what I intended, actually. Yeah, yeah. But, um, what the intention was was to really become much more uh, your identity becoming more of the witness of the whole human process, you right. know, to just be fascinated with being a human being in a human body uh, and to see the different things and not be in judgment about good and bad inside ourselves or in the world or to just be um, in the, uh, the how our mind goes back and forth between polarities. And mm -hmm. you can jump onto what you think is a positive polarity and kind of stick, you know, grab onto it. And inevitably, the other thought is going to, the other polarity is going to show up. Mm -hmm. And what do you do when that shows up versus try to stay attached to the positive versus to just be fascinated? Oh, in this moment, I'm thinking, you know, whatever it is, one moment I feel I'm rich and another moment I feel I'm poor and nothing has changed in the outside world. Right. The mind just jumps back and forth, you know? Right. Right, right. And how the mind does that. And I'm, and I'm not the mind. I'm and the I'm watcher the of the mind. Right, right, I'm the right. one that's fascinated that can do all those different things. So. Right, right. The witness self mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. taking a look at, you know, how we live life in love. So, or how do we live? You know, how, mm -hmm. are, how is that mind working in mm -hmm. our hearts, you mm -hmm. know, or in our, in our consciousness, mm -hmm. really? So, wow, that's fascinating. I do feel like I was really interested in how you integrated the East and the West philosophies, mm -hmm. too, because uh, Western mind can learn a lot from the East, and I think 
Western thought um, has informed so much of our world mm -hmm. <laughs> that uh, it it kind of needs a retooling at this point <laughs> at this point in history. Mm -hmm. So um, I was really loved how you wove the two together, and mm -hmm. of course that had to come out of your own life experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I spent um, quite a few years with different teachers and had um, lots of enlightenment experiences, satori experiences, whatever you want to call them. But mm -hmm. that is reality as far as I'm concerned, yeah. and most of the time, I, like most of us, are lost in the illusion of anything other than that, yeah. and and to, to just be with, um, so I spent years trying to meditate and get beyond the human experience, and there were certainly many moments of being in a whole other realm, mm -hmm. and yet I'm here on the planet in a human body, so when I came back from the, the East in 85, um, I began to look at the process of what it is to just be in the human experience rather than trying to transcend the human experience and to celebrate all aspects of being in a human body. So that was a whole shift in terms of um, from trying to get to some place that's beyond the human experience and to celebrating the human experience. And yeah. Different teachers helped me with that and my own experience. My wife helped me to uh, tune into my emotions much more feel my feelings and not think that I'm supposed to get beyond them, but to mm -hmm. celebrate whatever feelings are going on as they're happening. Mm -hmm. A lot of freedom in that. So spiritual goals have kind of gone by the wayside because mm -hmm. goals are another thing that keeps you trapped in something other than this moment and right. someday I'm going to have, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but that's really another kind of trap to climb spiritual ladders as well as financial ladders or whatever other ladders we pull from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about it in that context because really our job as enlightened beings is to be in the moment. Mm -hmm. So if we're not in our human moment, mm -hmm. if we're not in our human experience, then how are we um, how are we really going to evolve beyond that human experience or or take our human experience and transcend it? Transcend the limitations of it, you know, because the body is a restrictive mechanism. It, it, it does hold us in a certain reality mm -hmm. for time that we're here on mm -hmm. the planet. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I, that's very, you know, the the answer to me of uh, being here now is mm -hmm. to be in your feelings and your experience. And how do you not do that, you know, when you're um, living on this planet? Mm -hmm. I mean, and to, to shut off one form or the other of your experience or harm yourself. Like, uh, you know, the, I think of the old hair shirts that were used by the, you know, early Christians mm -hmm. that, you know, they would wear these shirts made of hair and torture themselves. Mm -hmm. I had a hair stuck in my blouse the other day. I was thinking about that. I was like, how could they stand it? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what for what purpose, really? I mean, perhaps it focused the mind, mm -hmm. you know, intensely on their prayers or something, but it seemed uh, a little paradoxical to not enjoy the human experience, mm -hmm. and this is the only one we have right now. Well, having been involved in di with different uh, gurus, there's um, each each one has their own belief system, you right. know, and so right. the Christ that Christian belief system is one belief system. Right. And, and I've lived in an ashram where celibacy was celebrated. I've lived in an ashram with the expression of sexuality being celebrated. Uh -huh. and so when you get, I've had samples of different windows, different yeah. prisms to look at things through. Right. And in the end, 
all prisms are an illusion. All of it is a distortion of the purity of just quiet in the moment. Right. And what is it to um, not be attached to the belief systems themselves? You know, right. all belief systems are just belief systems. Right. And they're valid for who I think each one is a is a gateway into the light, if you want to call it that, and right. to more love, if you want to call it that. And different personalities and ego types are attracted to different prisons and different mm -hmm. ways to get in. Mm -hmm. So all of them have their validity and all of them have their distortion and they have their clarity and their confusion. And, you know, it's uh, one ashram I was in, sugar was celebrated. And on your birthday, you gave candy out to people and every, nobody had any kind of sugar intolerance there or any problem with sugar. And then you moved to Marin County where sugar is evil. And, then, you know, you're not allowed to have sugar because you have all these reactions. And in that belief systems, the bodies react in a certain way, and actually in another belief system, the, literally the body reacts in a different way. So yeah, yeah. what's real, it's whatever we believe. Right, right. And our beliefs can change as we shift and Absolutely. change, and our realities, because of those beliefs, um, a lot of my guidance and teachings talk about how beliefs are really unnecessary. Mm -hmm. We don't really need to live in a framework of belief. Mm -hmm. We can, and that that sounds like a really radical notion to people that are really entrenched mm -hmm. in belief systems. Mm -hmm. But really, belief systems just limit us. Well, you see, even that is a belief system. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, yeah. you can play with it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that you know that's the one I tend toward too. But uh -huh. I I can't never forget the moment I go, oh well, that's another belief system. The belief systems are in you know unnecessary or something like that. Right, you know? right, right. So it's that's all true. just you know. It, to me, the identity is the one that's fascinated with the whole thing. You know, right. isn't it? You know, isn't it fascinating? Isn't it? Cur it's curiosity. It's fascination right. with being in this body. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. There, there's um, talk of old souls, you know, souls that have been here you know, through many lifetimes, if you believe believe in lifetimes and whatever. Yeah. And um, I feel like this is my first time on this planet. This is like a bizarre experience being in a human body <laughs> and all the different things that can go on with the mind and the feelings and the body itself. And it's, you know, it's very um, new to me, it feels like. So, yeah, yeah. whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's fascinating to think of it as if you're a, a newborn, here, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like if you can get to that kind of original mm -hmm. consciousness that helps your existence a lot. Uh, you know, I, uh, my joke is often my, uh, my son, when he was born in his first few years, he's been my greatest teacher because mm -hmm. he was just, in, you know, as a baby, he was in the moment. It was, mm -hmm. If I could tune into him... I was just in the bliss of whatever he was in, and mm -hmm. he became my entryway into the present tense. You know, when mm -hmm. he was a little older, then he'd be out on the sidewalk watching ants crawl along. I would be there with him with the ants, you know, mm -hmm. and I'd be in the moment, and he was the one that led me to be with the ants. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And then we get more sophisticated, and right. then we get more complicated and more complex, and there's good, good things about that and some not good things about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that my one of my first guru teachers was Daf Rijan, and he went through several periods in his existence where, you know, garbage and the goddess was one period where everybody was like having sex, and it was, you know, eat whatever you want, mm -hmm. don't worry about your diet, just, you mm -hmm. know, indulge, indulge, indulge. And then he stopped that radically. Mm -hmm. It's like now we're doing celibacy. Mm -hmm. You know, now we're doing restricted mm -hmm. relationships. Now we're doing commitment. And mm -hmm. and he shifted it several times in his life. Mm -hmm. And 
what and then everyone in the ashram or anyone everyone in that mm-hmm. community had to shift with him you know mm-hmm. and uh it really was uh, in i got there when they were in the phase where it was kind of getting more normalized like you know there were committed couples and that <laughs> you know single people and the women were here and the men were here you know it was a little more organized mm-hmm. and less confused um and within about two years in, involved in that community. But what I learned from it was uh, what was most important was how you are in presence and how he was in presence with us. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, the huge lesson around presence, around being in the moment mm-hmm. and being embodied, mm-hmm. was a tremendous experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so anyway, that that has to do with our presence and how we're identifying has everything to do with how we are in a loving state or not a loving state. Mm-hmm. Are we being our witness self mm-hmm. and really owning that mm-hmm. and embodying it, mm-hmm. or are we being in our belief system about this person or that person, or, you know, watching the mind do its thing? Yeah, I mean, for for me the. Um the easiest way to be in the present tense is to be in sessions with people, uh-huh. and then there's no me. I'm just empty, and I'm tuning into that person, and I'm, you know, in an emotional rapport with them, and I'm just right here. And Peter's life doesn't matter. There's nothing to care about, <laughs> and so I'm just here. Or leading leading workshops or meditation retreats, and you know, I'm there of service, and there's no um, need for the personal me to be involved. And then the right. presence is all that's called for, right. and the more. I'm in that presence, the more it can um, affect other people, and they can tune into that as well. Right, 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 right. Well, we're going to take a little break and come back. Uh, This is Robin, my turtle is me. The show is Evolved, and I wish Peter Rangel, who's written Living Life in Love. It's a book he wrote some time ago, but it is so relevant to this moment and to where we are today. Uh, And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Listney. I wanted to share with you some of the other things that I'm doing in the world beside this radio show. The first is I have a private practice in Capitola, California that reaches around the world. And you can uh, connect with me through my websites, thecenterforthesoul.com and bluebonebooks.com. I'm also uh, an author, and I have seven books. The first was Dancing Up the Moon, the second Sacred Living, both by Canary Press and Berkeley. And then I had Heart Path, Heart Path Handbook, a CD on Heart Path, uh, as well as um, two poetry books, Mosaic, which is the latest poetry book, and Poems for the Lost Year. I also have another book that just came out called Ceremonies from the Heart for Children, Adults, and the Earth. And all of these are on my website, www.bluebonebooks.com. So now we'll go back to the show. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture with your host, Robin White Turtle Lizney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. 
Hi, we're back. This is Robin White Turtle Listney, and today I'm with Peter Rangel, who uh, wrote Living Life in Love. He's also a counselor, and he does uh, teaches um, through the High uh, program. He teaches uh, um, workshops and weekend workshops, and has his own teaching, <laughs> and he does counseling and here in Marin County. So uh, I'm really glad to have you here because we have a lot in terms of alignment with what we're teaching and mm -hmm. our philosophies, so mm -hmm. it's pretty fun to, to have a conversation here today. <clears throat> During the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the culture at large and what's going on and mm -hmm. how what you're teaching, which, you know, through this book, Living Life in Love and Integrating Western Psychology and Eastern Spirituality, how, how this is playing out in the culture, because mm -hmm. what what you're teaching is a really about the authentic self mm -hmm. and how do you get to that observer nature, that witness self, mm -hmm. and how do you witness everything with unconditional love? Mm -hmm. That's really what we're all, both all all about here. Mm -hmm. So how do you see that playing out in the larger culture? I mean, how do you how do you see this also affecting change? Mm -hmm. So um, oftentimes. Um, how change happens with us as individuals, and I believe also on the collective level, has to do with pain and chaos. And oftentimes that's what knocks us out of our comfort zone, mm -hmm. wakes us up in a certain way. And mm -hmm. it would be lovely if we could just wake up without all of that, mm -hmm. and sometimes people can do that. But mm -hmm. oftentimes I think that the chaos and the catastrophes and whatever personal they are on a cultural level, um, that's what is the first step in the process to change. And so what I see happening right now um, is incredible chaos, incredible pain, and but it's being um, brought out because of all of the media and everybody knows everything so quickly now that everything is really exposed. And I think um, when I grew up in the 60s and 70s, uh, there wasn't such immediate knowledge of all the things that are happening on the planet, mm -hmm. and now there is. And so as a result, you know, when there's a beating of someone or there's whatever else happens, it um, it's very painful, but it is the thing that motivates change. So mm -hmm. that's where I see the, the biggest um, movement has to do with this is the first step in it. And, and so even politically what's happening in the polarization of everything in the United States in particular, mm -hmm. you know, there's no longer reaching across the aisle, there's no longer friendliness, there's all enemy, 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 mm -hmm. and that creates a certain kind of angst and a certain kind of tension that actually can either take you down the tubes into hell, or you can use it for grist for the mill and uh, find the love that's underneath it or find the compassion for both sides of the aisle or whatever all of that's about in mm -hmm. order to to be free from it. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget Brute Joy, one of my early teachers, um, uh, talked about the time of the greatest transformation is the time of the greatest chaos, because mm -hmm. that's where the both polarities can live more. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you can either get identified and sucked into the chaos, which some people are drawn into, and they're in their trying to fix things in a beautiful way. I, you know, if you're drawn into that aspect of life and go into the politics or go into whatever else that might be there to try and repair the damage, uh, um, that's lovely. And there's also people that are now 
meditating more and you know have more urgencies to find find the love and find the peace inside themselves mm -hmm. that hopefully then they can go out into the into affect other people in a, in their day to day lives you know mm -hmm. I, I can go to the supermarket and just kind of unconsciously go through the supermarket or I can go to the supermarket with an intention to love people and mm -hmm. then I talk to the checkout person in the real way, and I say, so how's your day going? And mm -hmm. they hear the tone of the voice, and they actually respond, and mm -hmm. then there's a little conversation that happens, and I can tell they're a little bit different than, you know, when I walked in the store. So mm -hmm. it's nice to kind of leave a trail of love behind. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes I create chaos when I'm off, and I, you know, <laughs> I'm not perfect at it, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really... Um, it's a personal way to do something about it all that I can feel um, making a difference that way. Mm -hmm. And for me in the political system, it feels too anonymous and too far away from me and too, you know, in, in my own mind, it's mostly fantasy in my mind. Um, and there's some reality that's going on on the planet about it, but it'd be very easy to get frustrated and not being able to fix all these things mm -hmm. that are happening and very painful things racism and sexism and mm -hmm. all the, the beauty of what's come, happening for people around gender now and being able to come out and, you know, feel free to speak and to even know there are options to look at identities and things like that. Mm -hmm. All of that's beautiful. And for those individuals, they, you know, they're facing a lot of challenges and being challenged and, you know, sometimes threatened and all kinds of things happen out of that. Mm -hmm. Yet that's all part of what it needs in order to make a movement there, mm -hmm. you know. Feels like in America in the fifties was in all in denial. You know, it was all oh, just totally. everything was squashed. <laughs> squashed yeah. So it, as that, you know, it looked like it was running in a you know Aussie and Harriet way. You know? right, right. And it was at some level, but I think then it all exploded in the sixties, and that's when uh, you know everything has started to, to move actually, right. and change really started to happen. Right. And it takes a lot longer than fifty years to make changes. You know. Right. So, right. Right. Well, and at that time. You know, all this, even all the songs are getting replayed now. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like um, all, all we need is love. Right. You know, like all of those Beatles songs, yeah. and and I find that you know it's it's ironic that that's getting kind of re-energized in the culture. I mm -hmm. think I think of a lot of young people just in their music choices. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are listening to the '60s, '70s music. Mm -hmm. You know, and re even though it was before they were born. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's speaking to them, mm -hmm. it's, you know, the timelessness of it, mm -hmm. some of those songs. Um, and I wouldn't invalidate all of the crazy songs that are out there, too, and the right. violent songs and the, you know, all that stuff is part of an expression that's coming out as well that I'm not particularly interested in, but I think it's an important expression that so, rather than repression mm -hmm. so that everything can come out, you know, mm -hmm. so it's not just... You know, just sitting in the love side of things, which mm -hmm. I happen to be involved in more. Right. But I think the other expression is important. If you look at the human race as one being, and right. that aspect of this being called human has to come out too. So. Right. 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 And and I think that if we if we are not suppressing ourselves, mm -hmm. not suppressing the um, the tendencies of humanity. And that doesn't mean, you know, free-for-all, but it does mean having having safe expressions of some of these things mm -hmm. through music or through the arts or through other um, other artistic expressions. Mm -hmm. It can help. It helps the culture a lot mm -hmm. to own it 
and then transform it mm -hmm. if, if we can. Mm -hmm. So, and the reality of you know many people's lives is very different than Ozzy and Harriet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it never was like Ozzy and Harriet. Right. So we really have to own the fact that uh, this this world, our culture, American culture specifically, has had a very split personality mm -hmm. in terms of the way it's treated people of color uh -huh. and women, and you know, yeah. and yeah. then how it's uh, you know lauded. Uh, basically, white males, mm -hmm. you know, in Excellent. in the culture in other yeah. ways, and yep. and that's all breaking down now, yeah. and which I think is part of the chaotic yeah. um, reality that we're in. Yeah, you know, the Me Too movement has been really beautiful for me personally as a privileged white male to circle back to some of my ex-lovers and to ask them, you know, did I do anything? And mm -hmm. to really be in partnership with them and to do some healing of some things that neither of us knew wasn't okay at that point in time. And, mm -hmm. you know, to really, all I can do is in a personal way, do whatever I can do. That's, mm -hmm. at least for me, that's the most satisfying. So, mm -hmm. you know, I've been in tears with, you know, past lovers on the phone or in person, actually, just to, you know, how was it? Was there anything we needed? You know, did they do anything? And mm -hmm. nothing was blatant, but there were some subtle things that went on that mm -hmm. neither of us really knew about. Mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. it's just been a beautiful time in that way. And mm -hmm. then to assist other men and, you know, feeling safe enough about all of that and mm -hmm. to come on out without uh, demonizing them, you mm -hmm. know, and without... That's that's the tricky line to walk with the whole Me Too movement for me right. is to you know have the women feel safe enough to speak and come out, and then to have um, the men feel mm -hmm. safe enough to talk about their side of things mm -hmm. without um, chastising them. And it's in the spirit of partnership, in the spirit of healing, in the spirit of you know we messed up, and mm -hmm. you know so how do how do we now move forward from all of that? Mm -hmm. So I've been involved in some beautiful rituals around that and some mm -hmm. beautiful partnership around that. And, mm -hmm. That's great, mm -hmm. yeah. So um, how do you use ritual in a situation like that? That's, that's a fascinating, because I'm very interested in ritual. Okay. You know, my latest book is Ceremonies from the Heart. Oh, okay. And so I'm, uh, you know, teaching about kids and adults and then also how we can do rituals with the earth. Mm -hmm. to, to really listen to what the earth is needing. Mm -hmm. So tell me about these rituals. Um, so um, it, it's a group of, uh, the, the one time I'm thinking of in this moment, um, mm -hmm. is a, a group of us who um, uh, all work together in some way. There are people that lead workshops and there are team members that are there. And we were in a, a workshop that was for all of us, so mm -hmm. for the team rather than for participants that come to join. Mm -hmm. And we um, uh, just started by um, um, making men more aware of what goes on for women. We actually literally started by talking about having women mm -hmm. speak about what they do in the everyday life to make themselves feel safe. You know, you know, like they carry their keys in their hand and they make sure that they, all, you know, just what they look in their car before they get in and they, you know, all, just a list of, you know, 50 things were up there from just spontaneously women speaking. And men are going like, what, 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 you know, like they Not hadn't even occurred to that. Yeah. And then men spoke about what they needed to do to feel safe, and there was hardly anything on the list. Mm -hmm. And so that was just a beginning of an awakening. And I don't, I don't want to deny that there are men that have been violated and men whose boundaries have been crossed and men who have been raped. And, you know, right. and it tends to be, you know, mm -hmm. by 
binary and people aren't binary, but in, in the Me Too movement, that is what it tends to be, a focus on that. And, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like women do need to have their voices. So mm -hmm. once all of that was out, there was much more compassion flowing and much more reality flowing. And then um, women felt safe enough at that point to begin speaking their stories. And so they would speak to the whole room, the whole group, and um, and then the men were speaking their side of things. And then we did a ritual of um, actually writing on the paper what it is that we wanted to let go of or what we were stepping into or what healing needed to happen. And then um, lit the paper one at a person at a time would speak whatever it was and light the paper and put it into a community fire. and. Um, tears were happening and compassion and a, a lot of forgiveness and a lot of apologies were happening mm -hmm. uh, to either people directly in the room or people from their past and mm -hmm. you know so it, it, you have to get it safe enough for people to get tender enough to move into forgiveness and and um, apologies and things like that mm -hmm. and but once that environment is created a tremendous amount can move and change and open Right, and how great to do this in a group with both men and women mm -hmm. because, um, you know, it's not women, you know, a lot of the things I attend or that I actually create mm -hmm. end up being all women, mm -hmm. and I, I don't intend it to be that mm -hmm. way at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'd rather not have it mm -hmm. that way, <laughs> but it, it, it kind of happens that way mm -hmm. just because they're attracted to healing or mm -hmm. they're attracted to learning more about love right. or whatever mm -hmm. and um but it's great to see the gender balance yeah. because uh it does need to be within between men and women mm -hmm. and also between different kinds of women and different kinds of men mm -hmm. because some men might never have a thought of harming a woman or doing it, and others might really have a lot of yang mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. it, and it's not about them harming women necessarily they mm -hmm. just have a whole different system mm -hmm. that is much more sexual or addicted mm -hmm. to sex or mm -hmm. so there's a whole different you know it's really great to see the spectrum of mm -hmm. men and the spectrum of women mm -hmm. um, and in the context of high mm -hmm. in human awareness mm -hmm. institute um, it does give people the opportunity to to look at that mm -hmm. and um, so it's it's great to yeah. have that deeper conversation yeah there's also um uh, a whole other format in which you start to all start together, men and women, and then separate out for a period of time. And when the men men go together and they talk about their side of the coin, mm -hmm. and the women can feel safer to bring forward their things. If you can't create that instant safety, which team members at high were able to do, mm -hmm. but then more strangers that come together, um, then the women feel safer. The men kind of get the whole picture, and and then they come bring them back together after they've had the freedom to to um, have their separate things and then mm -hmm. as the men come back in they're the ones that are humbled and start speaking and they're the ones that start apologizing and that can melt the women and then they feel safer to talk so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I think we have we're uh, you said it before you know we're moving toward how do we uh, how do we first make real what what has been mm -hmm. happening over a long period mm -hmm. of time, mm -hmm. several thousand years, right. <laughs> and how do we heal that? Mm -hmm. And then how do we get to forgiveness? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the next step, mm -hmm. really, because forgiveness is what helps us let go of karma and helps us yeah. move forward in yeah. evolution. Yeah. And we don't we don't necessarily do that up here somewhere else. We have to do it embodied. Yeah, and I think some people try to jump to forgiveness too quickly, and they uh -huh. bypass the anger. 
I think it's really important for the expression of the anger and the rage and, the, right. you know, all of that in order to organically get to a congruent forgiveness versus a mental kind of forgiveness. Right, you know? right, right, right. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So uh, I'm with Peter Ringel, and we are talking about love and how does it impact the culture and how do we, um, how are we shifting culture and how you're shifting it with high and with many of the other things you're doing. And uh, we're going to take another break and we'll be right back. This is Robin Whiter listening and you're listening to Evolve. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts and culture with your host, Robin White Turtle Lizney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. This is Robin Whiteturtle-Lisney. The show is Evolved, and I'm with Peter Rangel, who is a high facilitator, has been for 30 years, and has also written a book called Living Life in Love, Integrating Western Psychology and Eastern Spirituality. And uh, this time at the break, we were talking a little bit about the last part of his book, which has meditations and illuminations in it, and really looking at what is life all about, and how how do you... What is the meaning of life? How do we, you know, pay attention to be in the moment? And you have a kind of a weekly a schedule here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, affirmations or aphorisms that you would practice. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk a little bit about how you were talking about, like, how the, the process works here a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, when, when people come to the class, they, you know, I... I do it in person. I did it online for a while, uh-huh. and I, I wasn't as satisfied with it. I like real live human beings to be with rather than flat people on a screen, so yeah, yeah. I did that for a couple of years and went back to in person, so uh, uh-huh. I'm not able to ser- I was serving people all around the world doing that, but I, I need to satisfy myself, so now it's uh-huh. in person again, right. and um, so in class we kind of transition from one week to one week's homework and see and meditations and talk about what people got, their insights, and then transition into some exercises that set them up for the next week. And um, the, there's a, um, different kinds. There's uh, mirror exercises in which you can do what are called repeated questions with yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. to emphasize something. Like um, if, if you want to try something at home, sit in front of a mirror and ask the reflection in the mirror, where is love? And then that reflection comes back with the first thing that occurs to them in that moment, right here, right now. You receive it with a thank you. Ask again, where is love, blah, blah, blah. You just keep doing that repeated question. So what it does, not only in the moment, does it have you get a sense of where is love, um, but it also then sets you up as you go through that the day, then you begin to look around, where is love in this moment? And mm-hmm. you get to find out that it's everywhere, and you, however you deal with that, and whatever, you know, love is in the anger, love is in the joy, love is in the trees, love is in, you know, this piece of cloth, and it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the intention of it, and people can, tend to grow it that way. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a mantra for the week, and, you know, there's a different emphasis each week. And so um, a lot happens in terms of, bringing the practice into the day-to-day living versus just going to a workshop on the weekend, getting the insights there, and then going back to your life and not 
necessarily putting something into practice in your life, which is where it counts. You know, it's right. great to get high at a workshop, but uh, it's also great to be able to access different states of consciousness in your day-to-day -day life. Right. And, you know, you just go back to being pissed off at the freeway traffic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you have to have a way to integrate it. So, so saying, you know, I, I was just saying to Robin, um, one one week the meditation, quote-unquote meditation, is to stay in the right-hand lane to the, of the freeway no matter what mm -hmm. so that you're not in some kind of goal to get there and, right. and you get to um, just be in the present tense, look at the back of the truck, it's likely a big truck is in front of you. Yeah, right. You get to see the numbers on the truck and look around at the trees. And the the joke that people often say is that the sports car comes rushing by them, and then they get off the freeway and they go to a traffic light, and there's the sport car right there. <laughs> you know, two cars ahead of them. So all right. of that rushing along got them nowhere. You know? right. So it's just fascinating to play around with time and um, goals and the hurrying and all that kind of stuff in our day-to-day -day life and there's no place to go right know? well if we I, I like what you said before like if we drop rushing to get somewhere mm -hmm. then we actually can be in the moment more and enjoy life like yep. get in the slow lane yep. let people pass you yep. you know like yep. you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be getting to that goal necessarily right. you can just drop into the moment or take the longest line yeah. in the grocery store. When uh, my son was four or five years old, someone there, we said, oh, this is rush hour. And he said, this isn't rush hour. This is slow hour. <laughs> so <laughs> we ever since then, we called it slow hour. And that means slow down, you know, uh, it's an opportunity, you know, just to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody rushing to get home, but they're really not going anywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, besides asking questions like, where is love? Mm -hmm. You also have, you know, what are you grateful for? Mm -hmm. And these are really simple questions, mm -hmm. but they really cut to the chase of how do we, how are we being? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You, you know, you can do these in a mirror. You can also do them with another person. So uh -huh. the repeated question, what are you grateful for, mm -hmm. is so beautiful because then you zone in on and you become more aware of the simplest things you're grateful for. You know, mm -hmm. I'm grateful for the taste of food. I'm grateful for, you know, looking in your eyes right now. And mm -hmm. the questions are so interesting because you can either... What are you grateful for right here in this moment? Mm -hmm. Or what are you grateful for in general in your life or bigger pictures? And however you hear the question in the moment is appropriate. So sometimes it's right as you hear it, it comes out right now. Mm -hmm. Other times it's a more general way. Mm -hmm. But um, the, one of the aphorisms in the book is called gratitude. And it's something like um, um, feeling, feeling gratitude creates feeling more gratitude, you know, that mm -hmm. for the blessing of feeling gratitude. So, mm -hmm. you know, the whole thing of what you focus on grows mm -hmm. is true with gratitude, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. there are things, the simplest things that we're grateful for, but when we're in the hurry of life and when we're in the judgmentalness and whatever the speed we go, we forget that the simplest things is, are the most meaningful things in some way, mm -hmm. you know. I'm grateful for the petals on a flower, you mm -hmm. know, but if we're in such a hurry, we never even see the flower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, just dropping, again, being conscious of how we're living our lives, how the beingness of ourselves, um, that loving, the, kind of the gateway to, to being more loved. Because mm -hmm. um, being loved is not about just being kind to people. Mm -hmm. it, it's really embodying love mm -hmm. as your existence. Mm -hmm. And actually that is existence mm -hmm. because existence itself right. is nothing but love right. when you when you look at what the earth 
gives us yep. every day and puts out for us yep. every moment. Yep. And the sky, the sun, and I mean, you know, you could just be in nature and recognize, get reset yep. to that reality mm. that love is everywhere around us. That this is a, a an earth of love. Yeah. This is a planet of love, a yeah. universe of love. Yeah. You know, I've spent a lot of time in India, and India is a fascinating place. You know, yeah. if you look at the external world, it can look like hell because of the poverty. And if you look in people's eyes, I I was in heaven. You know, mm. the 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 simple shop owner is enlightened from a certain perspective. Mm. It's like the whole vibration of the country is spirit. Mm. And um, my my joke about India is that it was like a major decision whether to get up out of a chair and brush my teeth because <laughs> it was just in such a different rhythm. The whole right. life was a different rhythm. And I'll never forget um, landing there one time in a very small airport uh, in a little plane, and I was inside waiting for the luggage to come in. It took two and a half hours for the luggage to come from that plane out there into the into the terminal, and as it when time went on, I just started cracking up. It's like this is India. You just <laughs> hang out and you interact with people, and the luggage comes at some point, and you know it just breaks the whole insanity of the rhythm of life in the Western world. Right. You know, we go at an insane pace. Oh, we do. Mm. Really insane. Yeah. Really, I had that experience. Um, in the Virgin Islands, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's like nothing is a problem, yep. Mom. You yep. know, just yep. wait, it's coming. Yep. How are you today? Yep. You know, like people would just yep. come into a whole different reality, yep. and you had to just stop yep. and and not get into the yep. let's just leave that Western mind behind. Yep. Yep. And it, it's such a, a relief, yep. really. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> I, I think of your experiences in India. You mm -hmm. you were there for quite some time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. too, like yeah. five years or something. Uh, four, five well, years. I lived in one ashram for three years, and I traveled back and forth quite a bit and mm -hmm. spent shorter amounts of time in different. Environments. I've been to India maybe five, six, seven times. Oh wow, wow, mm -hmm. yeah. And whose ashram were you in? Just um, I was in Muktananda's way yeah. back when, oh, yeah. and then um, I was with Osho on the ranch in Oregon, up in Pune in India with him, uh, then on the ranch and then back in Pune again. Uh -huh. and, uh, wow. Then I spent time with Guru Joy down in Southern California. Uh -huh. yeah. Those have been my main teachers. Um, um, Papaji uh, in Lucknow for a bit. Uh -huh. Didn't quite connect with that, that uh -huh. energy uh -huh. so much. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have found those teachers to be so important in my life. Mm -hmm. um, with Da and then mm -hmm. Muktananda, uh, certainly through mm -hmm. Da, because mm -hmm. Muktananda was the one who um, mm -hmm. said, yeah, Da's a teacher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then also through um, Yogananda and mm -hmm. then Amma. Mm -hmm. uh, Amma's like a, an amazing teacher, mm -hmm. and just being in her presence is uh, quite, a, quite an experience. Mm -hmm. And she's a living saint right mm -hmm. now, so it's kind of exciting to to go hang out with mm -hmm. her. Um, the waves of love that come from her are just mm -hmm. astounding mm -hmm. people. Um, Muji's another one. Muji, mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's, so the, you know, being love really is what they are doing. Mm -hmm. They are being love and radiating that love. Mm -hmm. And it isn't about doing things. It isn't about accomplishments mm -hmm. or getting one more thing on a resume. <laughs> right. And it's not even about sending love or you right. know doing anything with it. It's just a state of being. Right. Right. You know, right. Right, being that present. Yeah. Yeah. I really I loved, what I loved about your book, 
living life from love is that you actually help people do just that slow down mm -hmm. be in the moment yeah pay attention to how are they being yeah. rather than they're not human doings they're mm -hmm. human beings and how we can move ourselves beyond the limitations of western culture which is drive 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 yeah. drive Many people have said, actually, reading the book changes their state of consciousness as they read it. Yeah. If they aren't in the goal of reading so much, then you can spend an hour on two pages if you want, you yeah. know, just to slow down and be with. Right. The words are to launch you into the place of no words. You know, it's, right. to, it's not about building up more spiritual concepts or ideas. It's an experience to just slow down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been with Peter Rangel, who is the author of Living Life in Love, Integrating Western Psychology and Eastern Spirituality. He's a high facilitator and has been for many years, and he's also a counselor and has a practice in Marin County and does groups. So thank you, Peter, so much. This has been just... Our pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take care. Okay. This is Robin White Turtle Lucy, and the show is Evolved. The music is by Claudia Vieira, Entrenor. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lizney, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m.